Amen. If you would take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Colossians 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Hudson and Emma, thank you. Great. If we could all be that excited right there to hop and skip to church. John and Lindsay, we're so thankful for you, both of you. And we're so thankful for Mason Spencer. And we're praying as you are alongside of you that Mason Spencer trusts Christ, Savior and Lord. Dr. Hatfield, thank you for your leadership and that special time of dedication of this family. And we are grateful to our sanctuary choir and our chamber ensemble and for John's leadership and Dan's leadership as they've allowed us to come alongside of them in worship this morning and to be led into the throne of God. If you would take, again, your copy of God's Word in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to be in verses 1 through 15 this morning as we continue in a series entitled Christ the Center, Christ the Center, Colossians chapter 3, as we're walking through the book of Colossians together as a congregation. I don't know if you remember or if you watch the show often, but about three or four years ago, TLC announced that they would no longer broadcast a show that for a decade was pretty popular on the network, which was called What Not to Wear. It was never a show that I purposefully watched, but it was a show that I watched a lot of for about a decade of life. In uh, trading spaces and what not to wear, these were some of the things that were owned in the Eldridge household prior to kids. Once kids came, it was Teletubbies and it downhill from there. But uh, what not to wear, what not to wear was something that was on in the Eldridge household. And the premise is really simple. Uh, participants would be nominated by concerned coworkers, family members, friends, that the tackiness of their family members' attire had just risen to such a state of embarrassment that they had to call on a fashion intervention. And so two stylists would come and take them out of their context, and with just a few thousands of dollars, they could get a new wardrobe and a new look. And so the meat of the show was most often these two stylists saying, you need to not wear your 80s concert t-shirt to work any longer, you will replace it with this. That belt needs to go, and now you need to wear this. Your capri pants that are pink, or you know, you don't need to wear that. I, I, I don't know what I'm talking about right now. So um, I, I should have stopped with the specific examples. I really don't know what I'm talking about. But, but the, whole, the whole point of the show was to give specific advice of one's attire. Stop wearing this. Start wearing this. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 for these 15 verses are Paul's admonition to us about not our physical attire, but our spiritual attire. Paul is going to give, again, not with any concern of what we outwardly wear physically, but uh, spiritually what we clothe our heart, our emotions, our will, our mind with. And so he is going to give specific admonitions of what to put off and what to put on. He's going to tell us what not to wear spiritually and what to wear spiritually. Colossians chapter 3, Paul's words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit read, If then... You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, 
seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here then is not Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above All these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Paul, in these 15 verses, speaks to our spiritual attire. And there are three Profound truths that I want you to see in Paul's words here for your attire as a child of the Most High God. We discover in this passage here the origin of our spiritual attire. Verses four, uh, verses one through four, the origin of our spiritual attire. Notice the first two words in your copy of God's Word. In the English Standard Version, which I'm reading from it, it starts with if then. Some of your translations might say since then. It presumes, Paul does, a foundation that has come prior to this transitional statement that gets us into Colossians chapter 3. What we discover in Colossians 3 is it is a clear line of demarcation. While there is some overlap, which we'll see in just a second, oftentimes Paul has a standard pattern in his letters. And that pattern is is to set a theological foundation. This is who you are in Christ. This is what Christ has done for you. Uh, Scholars oftentimes call it the indicative, the theological substance of Christ and his work. And then it is followed oftentimes by the so then, if then, the therefore. In Romans, you see it, 11 chapters of the glory of what Christ has done for us as sinful humans. And then in chapter 12 of Romans, therefore, in view of God's mercy, in view of the 11 chapters that I've set out before you, he says, stop being conformed to the patterns of this word in verse 2, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He moves from that theological basis, building on it, now the frame of the Christian life. And so we have it here in Colossians 3. It's important that you understand at the outset that Paul is not giving us an admonition of how we are to dress to save ourselves. Paul is not saying that if your attire does not look like this, then you're not earning your salvation. This is not what he's saying. This is not a salvation by your spiritual wardrobe choices. This is 
Paul saying to us, since you are clothed in his righteousness, since you are, first two chapters, a believer, then how you dress emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, the clothing of your heart should look different because of the inward reality of the relationship you have with God. Now, it's important for you to see the first four verses is a synopsis of the first two chapters. He he reminds us, lest we misunderstand the empowerment of the Spirit that gives us these admonitions here, unless we get the cart before the horse, it's important for you to see. He just reminds you, verse 1, he says, you've been raised with Christ. Past tense. This is your justification. You've been raised with Christ. Verse 3, your life is hidden in Christ. Present tense. He is your sanctification. Verse 4, then you will also appear with Christ in glory. Future, your glorification. He again, as he gives us these admonitions, he grounds them in the finished, accomplished work of Christ. Your justification is in and through him. Your sanctification is in and through him. Your glorification is in and through him. The past tense, the present tense, and the future tense of all of the Christian life is in and through him. In view of that, we're called then to think, to pray, to live into the wardrobe that he calls us to. In many ways, to sum this up, it's important for you to recognize that we are saved not by our spiritual attire, but when we are saved, our attire should change. John Calvin, the great reformer, as we come up on the great anniversary of the Reformation and Luther's work there in Wittenberg, We're reminded of Calvin, the reformer there, that says, it is therefore faith alone which justifies. And yet the faith which justifies is not alone. Luther, in a paraphrase, would say, we're not saved by works, but as we are saved, we're called to work. This is a Reformation principle. This is a principle of evangelical thought that we're not saved through our goodness. We're not saved through our righteousness, but through his goodness, his righteousness, we are empowered empowered to walk in a way that is fitting of the Lord. This is the origin of our spiritual attire. But I want you to see, secondly, this morning, the call to put off the attire of the world. The call to put off the attire of the world. Notice in verses 5 through 9, that it builds upon uh, verses one and two. So in the logic of Paul, he starts with the admonition, he grounds it in the gospel, and then he comes back to the specifics. Verse one, seek the things that are above. Verse two, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. We can imagine somebody sitting in the church in Colossae saying, well, Paul, help us. What are the things that are, uh, what are not the things that are on earth here? What are those? What are some examples of those? Give us some specifics. Have you ever had an employer? Have you ever had a relative? Have you ever had someone that's a close friend that you can have a whole conversation with them and they, they seem to speak in riddles and parables? They seem to speak in generalities. You, you never know after you leave the conversation, am I doing well or did they just uh, admonish me? I'm not sure what's happening here. Paul is so, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so specific here. There is no way for that original church to misunderstand what he's saying here because he gives us then two lists and one admonition in verses five through nine. What are we called to not seek? 
What are we called to put off? What is the wardrobe of the world that we're called to purge ourselves from, empowered by the Spirit? Well, we can just look through this. It starts with three that are grouped together, sexual immorality, verse 5, impurity and passion, three words that really build upon themselves but are really synonyms to describe comprehensively uh, any sexual activity outside of Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, that creation mandate of Adam and Eve that God has given this wonderful gift to humanity of, of the relationship of a man and a woman till death do them part. And what Paul is saying here is how Satan works. Satan is uncreative. Does not have the ability to create. But what he does is he takes God's good gifts and he perverts them. So what he does is he takes God's good gift of sexual relationship between a man and woman and he perverts it into the 21st century pornography. He takes God's good gifts of sexual relationships between a man and a woman to death do them part, and he pollutes it into adultery. He takes God's good gifts between a man and a woman to death do them part, and he makes it into this perversion of sexual activity outside of marriage. And so there's this sense of comprehensiveness of what Paul is saying here. Anything that out, uh, flows out of the banks of Genesis 1 and 2 is outside of God's good gift to you, his creation. And so Paul starts there, but he continues. In verse 5, he talks about how we are to put to death evil desire and covetedness. Now, what do we know about these passages? Well, that evil desire is that broad basis of all that we are to put aside. It's, it's this umbrella that hangs over all of the descriptors that we're going to have in these lists here. Covetousness is one of the things that we recognize that is translated in the ESV, that word, but in actuality, behind that word, it's a desire to have more. So there's a temptation to think that it's just financial in an admonition, but certainly it is. If your desire is money, it could lead to theft. It could lead to cooking the books. But if your desire is prestige, it could lead to evil pride and evil ambition. If your desire is for power, it could lead to unrelenting tyranny. And so we begin to see how this, go, this description goes in many different directions here. C.F.D. Mull, who was a Cambridge New Testament scholar, he pauses at this place and he says that this word right here describes the opposite of the desire to give. And so when we think through the words that Paul is using as a descriptor of the attire of the world, we continue to see that he says in verse 8 that now we are called to put them all away. One of the ways that you could translate this is to take off the clothes, to undress. Early descriptions of the ancient church, really in the patristic age, around 200 A.D., is this very vivid description of the process of baptism in the early church. While we have scant historical records of this, we have images of, of baptism being this culmination of catechism, catechesis and training and instruction of new converts that came to this culmination at Easter in their baptism. The, the lights were dim. Oftentimes, this was done at night. The uh, recipient of baptism who had trusted Christ as Savior and Lord would undress, be baptized, come out of the water, be clothed in new clothing, representing 
outwardly, symbolically, what Christ had done inwardly in their life. Paul is saying this, that we're called to this kind of transformation of the inward wardrobe of our heart. He continues in verse 8 and he says, Get rid of anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk. Do not lie. Take them off. All descriptors of things that reside and tempt the soul of any pastor and any person that sits in a pew. These are things that are familiar to anyone that are here. So what does he say? Why do we take these off? Verse 6, because the wrath of God is coming that these descriptions here are the very things that separate us from a holy God. That these descriptions that Paul is giving of the articles that we're called to put off, to take off, this is the reason that Christ went to the cross. That we, we have sung this this morning. That ultimately, as Christ was upon the cross, undressed physically, was then dressed with our wrath, our malice, our anger, our sexual immorality. As he goes to the cross, he is dressed with the very thing that separates you and me from a holy God. And so he absorbs the wrath of God. The wrath of God is placed upon us as he is dressed in our sin. He becomes sin, as Paul says in the Corinthian epistle. And so what we discover in this passage here is that he took upon himself the very thing that ultimately separates us from a holy God. And now as we are dressed in his righteousness, as we are called to pursue him, as we find our justification in him, our sanctification in him, and our glorification in him, we're called to take off the old wardrobe of the self and dress in the wardrobe that is fitting of the most High King. Every night, most nights at least, in the Eldridge household, we have a routine, especially with football and flag football and soccer going in many directions. We come home and it's a little bit later on school nights and we want to be out at a practice or at a game, so we're rolling in there very quickly. And in the van, we're setting orders. You go in, you take off your cleats, you get undressed, you put them in the dirty clothes, and you take a shower. It's always met with a lot of discussion. We don't, <clears throat> we don't argue in the Eldridge household, but we passionately discuss things in the Eldridge household that is always revolving around the order of our boys taking a shower. Because heaven forbid that you f took a shower last night first and then you have to repeat the travesty of going first again. So there's three boys and there is an order to this and a lot of discussion. I took a bath first last night. No, I took a bath first last night. And then I pastorally with great patience in the discussion, and off we go. Now, you can imagine, they, they've been at the ball fields, they smell like wet puppy dogs that have just been rolling around in mud and dirt, and we take them inside, they're taking off their soccer uh, socks, they're taking off their football pads, they're taking off everything that is sweat-drenched, everything that has grass stains on it, and they put it up, and they take a shower, and they come out, they brush their teeth, and you would imagine the dismay of me as a father, Danielle as a mother, that when we looked into their bedroom, it was getting ready for bed, and as we come in to sing with them and to pray with them, that they put back on the jersey that they played in. You can imagine <laughs> the dismay. 
You can imagine the dismay if they go back into the bed and say, we love these socks. And Jonathan puts back on his soccer socks. He gets under his clean uh, sheets there. You can imagine the dismay that we would have if my son puts on his sweaty shorts and gets under the covers of the bed. You can imagine that we would say, no, you have taken a shower. We've provided uh, through the generosity of God calling us to Dawson the ability for you not to have to wear those things but to sleep in cleanliness. But, but that is, Christian, what you do and what I do. When God desires through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to cleanse us and to forgive us of all unrighteousness on a daily basis, and we say, you know, that jersey of the world, let me put that on. The sin-stenched shorts of the world that we're called to put aside and to be cleansed anew in him. We, we come back and we put those on and he has saved us from the very thing that we go back to and dress ourselves in. Paul says with explicit language, take them off, put them to death. Do a spiritual wardrobe uh, analysis and you get rid of things. Not only does he say that we're called to put off the attire of the world, but we are called in this passage to put on the attire of Christ. Look with me in verses 10 through 15. There's a shift. There's a negative admonition. Take this off, take this off, take this off. And now we come to a positive admonition of what we're called to dress ourselves in in the wardrobe that is fitting of Christ, notice first that our attire is reflective of our new family. Verses 10 through 11, he, he details these old divisions that are nullified in the unifying effect of Christ Jesus. And he lists them, Greek and Jew, these are ethnic divisions, circumcised and uncircumcised, these are religious distinctions, barbarian and Scythian, these are cultural distinctions, slave or free, socioeconomic distinctions. He is saying that when we're clothed in Christ, that Christ has broken down all of these divisions. Why? Because Christ is all and he is in all. So he, Christ, provides the unity across the body of Christ regardless of ethnic distinctions, cultural distinctions, and social distinctions. And we live in a day and age that the body of Christ must heed the, the, the power of that witness in a culture that is increasingly polarized between blue states and red states and white-collar cultures and blue-collar cultures and between the distinctions that are being maximized in our culture between uh, racial and ethnic distinctions. The beauty of the body of Christ is, is those distinctions become less important than the unifying factor of Christ Jesus being at the center of our relationships. And regardless of what divides in the world, the word of God tells us that Christ unifies us far greater than rooting for a team on Saturday unifies us, far greater than a political cause could unify us. The cause of Christ brings about unity in a world that is increasingly polarized and segmented. 
And when the church recognizes that one of the witnesses that we will have increasingly in the 21st century is to be able to show the way of the world is division and fragmentation. The way of Christ is unity in the midst of our diversity. To celebrate the diversity of our creator, but the unity of our Christ. This is an attire that reflects our new family. But more than that, this is an attire that reflects a transformed heart. Notice with me in verses 12 through 15. Paul talks about putting on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, love, and peace, and thanksgiving. It's important, and we'll do this in the coming weeks, to hear echoes of Paul in other letters. And there's going to be overlap and familiarity. Paul has a distinct language, distinct vocabulary, empowered by the Holy Spirit, illuminated by the Holy Spirit, but it's not surprising to us that there'd be echoes from others, uh, other parts of his epistles. And so we see this listing here, and it, we can't help but to think, boy, this sounds familiar. Galatians chapter 5 contrasts the words of the flesh to the fruit of the Spirit. And we see that Paul's doing something similar here in Colossians chapter 3. And we're reminded that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And it's not fruits of the Spirit. It's not that I and my disposition and the unique nurture that I had, I really get the faithfulness part. But if you just knew me and you knew my background, patience, you would understand that that's not something that I just really do. Well, of course you don't do it because this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the Spirit of God at work in you internally, internally, to make an external difference. And so when the Spirit is moving in you and you're submitting to Him, it begins to make a difference not only in your heart, not only in your mind, but it begins to make a difference in the way that you approach people and the way that you interact with people because this is the fruit of the Spirit. And the goal here in Paul's listing isn't to say, let's parse out every one of these descriptors here. Yes, that could be helpful, but I think it's important for us to hear the totality of what Paul's saying. He is saying that we are called to dress spiritually in a distinctive way from the world. And so the world oftentimes dresses with self-promotion and pride. And Paul is saying, I'm calling you, child of Christ, to dress in humility. The world often, just the default pace of the world is frantic, it's hurried, chaos seems to be stirred up at home, at work. And Paul is saying, no, I'm calling you to submit to the Spirit at work in you and for peace to categorize your life. He is saying the way of the world is oftentimes to feel cheated and to have a list of people who have done us wrong. And to keep a tally of everything that we really deserve that we didn't get. And Paul is saying, no, the attire of Christ is an attire of gratitude. Now, we could go on, but I could stop because you are thinking, now, well, I know somebody who dresses like that. I know who dresses like that. See, some of you know what it's like to have grown up in a family that chaos and, and confusion seem to reign at home. But when you were to go to your grandmother's house and your grandfather's house, you were enveloped with love and peace. 
and you know what it's like. See, some of you are thinking of Sunday school teachers now. You're thinking of deacons now. You're thinking of coaches of yours. You're thinking of coworkers of yours. You're thinking of mentors of yours that clothe themselves in a distinctive way. And you, maybe before you were a believer, said, what is it about their attire that is different from me and the world? And some of you are saying, well, you know, that, that was just them. That, that was just who they were. I can never be like, that, that is my spiritual hero, and that's just who they were. No, it wasn't who they were. It was them submitting on a daily basis to God's Spirit working in them and them choosing, empowered by the Spirit, to clothe themselves in the way of Christ and not the way of the world. It was decisions day by day, little by little, in his word, in prayer, in a community that over a long period of time made a difference not only in them but made a difference for you. And now Paul is calling us to clothe ourselves not in the way of the world but in the way of the word of God that reveals to us the image of Christ. I don't I don't think much about dress. I don't think much about fashion. It's a, it's a mild annoyance to me. I, I wish it was appropriate to wear uh, one. I wish we just had uniforms for everything. I would have to be one less thing for me to think about. I wish I didn't have to think about what to wear on Sunday. I, I wish I could just wear the same thing Monday through Saturday. I, I sort of already do that, actually. I, I have a soccer uniform that I wear. If the boys are at the field, I'm, I'm pretty much wearing, I got two shirts and I got one pair of pants and that's just, it's just one less thing to worry about. But I tell you this, in life, I've never woken up, never woken up in the morning and said, oh, I got dressed in the middle of the night. I don't remember when I did this, but I've surprised myself and I'm ready to go. Every morning that I wake up and every morning that you wake up, there are conscious decisions that I have to make to take off what I've slept in and to put on what is appropriate for the workplace and for that Monday, that Friday, that Saturday. And as a Christian, our attire isn't a commitment that we make one year and then we move on with life. It's daily waking up, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, Saying today, through the power of the Spirit, I am, I'm, I'm cleaning out the wardrobe of impatience. And I'm clothing myself through you with patience. Because I, in my strength, will not walk in patience without you. See, this whole week, I've been, I've been living in this passage. And this whole week, I've been haunted by this passage. And every morning I wake up as I'm getting ready, these words are floating through my mind. And I've just thought that, that it very well may be helpful, as it's been helpful to me, to you take these passages and to write them out and put them on your vanity mirror. And as you're brushing your teeth, you're seeing the things that you're taking off and the things that you're putting on. See, there's some of you in this room that know very much what it's like to go through your closet and to have to get rid of stuff. There's some things that don't fit anymore. There's some things that are old. There's some things that are out of fashion. And you know what it's like to go through your physical wardrobe and say, that I've got to take out and I've got to replace it with things that are fitting and things that are appropriate. And the same thing spiritually. There are times where that old jacket of the world 
We want to hold on to and put it back on. Child of the Most High King, it doesn't fit you anymore. Child of the Most High King, that shirt of the world, it doesn't fit you anymore. I know you're tempted to put it back on, but he is calling you to put it out, to throw it away, and to dress in his righteousness, his goodness, his love, his peace. So look into your closet. What are you wearing? Are you wearing the attire of the world, or are you consistently putting on daily the attire of Christ. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word and the way that it speaks to our hearts. And we pray that all of us in this room would do a heart check, that we would look into the spiritual closets of our life. There's a shirt of anger that's hanging there in someone's closet. This week, there's someone that has been wearing around a, a, a pants of impatience. There are those that have a jacket of immorality that they have been walking in. And today you're calling us as believers, empowered by your Holy Spirit, to put away the wardrobe of the world. And through the power of Christ, to be clothed in love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and meekness and humility, not things that we would naturally clothe ourselves, not things that we have the power to clothe ourselves in, but only through your supernatural empowerment are we able to dress in a way that is fitting of the most, a child of the Most High King. So may today be a day that we do a purging of our spiritual closet. And may a day... May we recognize today that you've paid it all to dress us in a way that will show others the source of our attire. It's in your name we pray. Amen.